my first short film was almost nominated for an Oscar. Lesson number 2,542. Sometimes it's okay to quit and walk away. You know what? <laughs> Winners do quit. Winners quit doing the things that they shouldn't be doing. Shouldn't be fucking doing. After a certain point, I'm not going to shrink myself and talk my way out of not getting what I deserve. We're not doing anybody else a favor by dimming our own light. African-American artists have a point of view that in the past we have not had the luxury to express. We must persist and we must do. This is just the beginning. It's it's so beautiful to see, man. I am so, so proud of you, bro. You know what? Fuck you. Now I'm sitting here crying. <laughs> you know, it's uh, we're cutting this. Hello, everybody. Today is a very special conversation because not only am I chatting with a brilliant artist, but I'm chatting with a good friend, somebody I've known for over a decade and I have so much respect for on many levels. We've worked on a lot of projects together. And most recently, he has a brilliant, brilliant short film called Regret to Inform You that you have to see. It's a game changer. And I think is the beginning for the next stage of his career. And I'm so excited to just let you in on this real, raw, unplanned, just connection and conversation. Here is my good friend, Yusuf Nasir. <laughs> What's up, bro? On? What's going on, man? <laughs> how are you feeling right now? How is life? I think right now, how am I feeling? Besides being a little constipated, you know, I feel great. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said we were friends. You had to come with the inappropriate joke. Um, right now, where am I at in life? I think... My spirit is a, is at rest and at peace more than other periods because I'm allowing myself to take a breath and enjoy what I've accomplished, albeit maybe not reaching the goal I had envisioned. It, it, it doesn't negate that there was still an accomplishment that has occurred, and I need to allow myself to enjoy that without jumping to the next thing. Mm. Well, let's talk about that goal. Let's talk about regret to inform you. What is the project? Why did you want to do it? Why did you have to create this? Oof. I knew you were going to ask me that question. And before we even get into this, I'm going to look into the camera. Um, let's just be very clear. Uh, if it wasn't for Brazil, this film would not have been finished because there's this thing called Broke. And the very room that we are sitting in to do this podcast, I literally slept on the floor, which he gave up his home. Gave up his comfort to make sure that I met all my deadlines and deliverables. So before we get into that, I need everyone listening to know that Brazil probably won't give himself that much credit, but <laughs> I'm going to give him that much credit. Uh, because you, one, you don't find friends like that in Hollywood just in general. And two, you knew I had a vision and it needed to be completed by all costs. And that's when I think you are... You know you've met someone that you're in tune with artistically and that you know that it doesn't always need some... There needs to be some kind of prerequisite for an outcome, mm. right? I think we're always looking for a prerequisite for an outcome when artists, you know, before we even were thought of, or our parents, or our parents' parents, or our parents' parents' parents, created because if they didn't, it was akin to death. So it needed to be created. As far as the short film, um, I thought I knew you would ask me that question. Mm -hmm. And I said, How am I gonna answer this? And I'm like, well, let's be brutally honest. I really just got tired of being taken advantage of 
treat it as though I, I am not worth what I know to be what I'm worth, not only based on what I'm telling myself, but, you know, based on objectively what other people in my same positions are getting. Um, and I'm tired of waiting for someone to press the go button when in reality I've always been capable of pressing the go button, but I fell into this trap of seeking way too much validation and, and waiting for these projects with certain people to validate my existence as an artist. Um, and then also I just think that, you know, African-American artists, and I specifically mean this African-American artists have a point of view that needs to get out there that, in the past, we have not had the luxury to express. Um, specifically, there were three things that kind of happened with the short film. Um, I remember when I first thought of it, three things that occurred. Um, I was working at The Mass Singer um, at the time, and I kept trying to, you know, do the mental gymnastics in my head. How am I only making $250 a day to be the assistant choreographer on the number one show at the TV at the time? Make it make sense. That was one. Two, I was looking at some of the places I was teaching, one being, you know, a college. And I went, how is it after almost 10 years and 70 classes and almost 100 original works, my pay has not gone up significantly in almost a decade? Um, and then the flip side of that is, you know, we're getting old, you know, how, how long are we going to, and I think you've had this conversation with yourself, how long are we going to keep gigging? When are we going to own and have a stake over our creation? Um, and to express ourselves in ways that, you know, uh, other powers that be or opportunities are not giving us. Um, so there's kind of like the general and then the kind of specific life stuff that pushed me towards making this short. I think what's powerful about this short is that it represents a feeling that a lot of people have hmm. of being overlooked, of being underappreciated. Yeah. Art is such an interesting career path because it's not linear. Yeah. You have some people that luck into it and right away kind of get an amazing gig. Yeah. Other people that put in work for years and just never quite make it. Yeah. Right. Then you have people that are super talented but not paid enough. Right yeah. or positioned right and not talented enough. Yeah. So, so it, it, it's not just because well, just work harder. Well, that it, it almost doesn't apply here specifically because yeah. there's so many yeah. gatekeepers and so much of it is opinionated. It's not like Very. we're building a bridge and either you know how to build a bridge or you don't, yep. or you know how to be a heart surgeon or you don't. Yep. It's it's, it's subjective. It's I like your art. Yeah. I want you to be an artist on this project, right? Yeah. And on one hand, we're very grateful to do it, right? Because yeah. doing art is the reward, right? Like right. being an artist. But yeah, it can be. It, yeah. it can be. But also, we got bills to pay. And more importantly, we're making money for other people. Yeah. So it's not like it's just a uh, like a fun project where nobody's making money. Right. Somebody's making a lot of money. A shit ton of fucking money. And, and to them to think that people are so stupid to not recognize that. Like, we don't understand late stage capitalism. Like, I, I don't, <laughs> you know, again, I know that we may not be putting up the, the entirety of the capital to start things. But, you know, the game goes both ways. You know, you can't, you can have a bunch of money, but who's going to turn the money into something that can be profitable? What we're, how do we turn capital into product to then sell? Yeah. And I think sometimes artists, we forget that art is always going to meet commerce, whether we like it or not. Um, and you said something interesting about being subjective, you know, 
a lot of times I've gotten into arguments with, you know, artists just in kind of not even, I won't say artists. I'm going to specifically say this to dance and choreography, specifically amongst dancers. And that's always the, well, if you think this, and if you're just a little bit positive, or if you go to this class, or if you, you know, work a little bit harder, and eventually you do come to the conclusion that this isn't a matter of personality or presentation or working harder. This is something that is subjective that I have no control over. And I think anyone that has a desire to want to do more, that's going to become stifling after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it's impossible not to. Um, I remember one time, or actually we talk about this a lot, Ava Bernstein, who's a very accomplished dancer, choreographer, you know, she would always kind of tell me, you know, Yusuf, you isolate yourself a lot. I think sometimes you don't allow yourself for people to really get to know you. And so, you know, people really don't know what to make of you sometimes. And I go, that's interesting because there may be some truth to that. Yes, I do consider myself a bit of a hermit, but networking goes both ways. Relationship goes both ways. We couldn't be friends unless we made the conscious decision to want to be in each other's lives and be of use to one another. If no one is reciprocating the energy I'm putting out, then how exactly I'm supposed to network and get to know people if you don't want to get to know me? Or you have some prejudice or pretext about me that's barring you from even wanting to get to know me. And I think that that's something that artists don't talk about enough also, which I kind of brought up in my short film where, you know, it it has to... You can't put out 150% and only get back less than 10. They have to meet the, the whatever your goal or your aim is has to start to meet you halfway. Um, and like you said in the short, it, it really was inspired by me going out and, you know, honestly thinking positive about things and trying to move things forward, changing my mindset, adjusting, acquiescing and appeasing people probably more than I should to just to try to move the career forward. And it still goes back to I'm putting out 150 and I'm getting back 10, which is why in the short for anyone listening, um, that's why I made the dance so long and I made the dance so opulent because I wanted people to feel the dearth of how you're seeing me, how you probably you're perceiving me. And then what I see about myself in my head and in my heart and how sometimes those are vastly different. Yes. Yes, they are vastly different. And one thing that's interesting, though, is that your path, right, of going from being a gig artist yeah. to being somebody who owns and creates something mm. is kind of a, I don't know if this is the right phrase for it, yeah. uh, like a self-fulfilling prophecy in that as a gig artist, you don't have any control. No gig artist will really ever have any real control no. until they start owning their stuff. It's, it it's kind of comes with the territory. Yep. And I think it's more of a brutal realization as an artist, right? That like phase one is, can I go from being somebody who wants to be an artist to being, oh my God, I'm a real artist, right? right. That's like a big phase. Yep. Like, oh, I'm a real artist. Yep. I'm doing gigs. Yep. Whoa. And then you do enough gigs and you're like, wait a minute, fuck, I'm putting in so much of myself into them and not getting anything back. We're yeah. not getting as much back as I think I'm actually adding. Right. And then you realize, wait a minute, in order for me to have the control I want, I have to take the risk of being the founder, the owner, the financial mm-hmm. risk, yep. the, the time risk, everything, the relationship risk, right? Yep. So now you're getting to the other side where you're the one putting risk on it and yep. there's other people helping you out essentially for free. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To where now you're the owner 
side, right? And those yeah. other people essentially kind of slaving away for your project now, right? Yeah. And you get to see it from that perspective too. They're like, wow, okay. But granted, you're not over here driving a Lamborghini because of it and then not paying people, right? Right, right. right. So, so it's not it's not like uh, you're just screwing people over. It's an investment project, right? Exactly. And you, yeah. I, exactly. And it's funny that you bring that up because there were certain people in the process of the short that I think thought that somehow, some way I was screwing them over or withholding something from them. Um, and I'm not going to really give them a lot of energy yeah. or time because, you know, it's, they've made their bed and they need to lie in it, irregardless of how they're going to spin it. That's the main reason why I made it a point to write, choreograph, produce, and direct my film on my own with the help of those that I loved who were willing to contribute to it. And it was never going to be, at least in theory, something that was going to be for free and then left. It was... Right. This is a proof of concept. I don't know where this is going to go, but let's see what we make. And I think the biggest mistake I made was not, one, trusting my instincts enough to where I think I even had to ask so many people. Because I think when you're doing something new, you almost downplay what you see and then when you start adding more people to the fold, you go, mm, wait a minute. I, I don't think this was necessary. Um, and then when you try to correct that issue, then it becomes a problem. And so, Do you mean like, I, I, am I understanding you correctly in, in that you're saying at the beginning of a project, you think you need a lot more people yeah, to help you. And you're like, yeah. well, I can't do this without them. Yeah. And then they come in and you, and you realize, well, they're not even adding that much to it. It really they're, is me. They're really, if anything, they're, and in my experience, they're taking away severely. It, it is more like I'm bleeding out because of it because I'm including and I'm wanting too many opinions in this when the real the, the whole point of it was to get something out of me onto the screen that's an experience that as I kind of went through the film festival circuit, went through the award uh, circuit, went through all the screenings, went through the Oscar um you know, the the <laughs> precipice of being nominated for an Oscar. It's crazy for me to finally sit here and say that out loud that my first short film almost won, was almost nominated for an Oscar. That Variety magazine picked this up and not only gave us an article, but chose my photo as the pre into Oscar pick for best live action shorts over Taylor Swift. Like, I have yet <laughs> yeah. to really sit with the breath of that and go, Yusef, that is huge. But because at the time I was so in the mode of always having to work, it almost went by. And it wasn't until the last couple months, it was like, I need to allow myself to actually yell and scream, Yusef, that is an accomplishment. Yes. Because although you took that, there were people Clearly, my dancers more than anything. I mm -hmm. mean, they are the MVPs of this that showed up and gave their time for this, knowing there was no guarantee. Look how far it went. And it's something that I did on my own. And even when I was working on it, I was afraid to say that out loud because I didn't want people to feel like they weren't a part of a team. But as time went on and more edits were being done on my cell phone and more money needed to be fundraised and more issues were coming up with music rights that I had to mitigate. It was like, okay, yeah, the, there's a line, there's a line. And I think as an owner, yes, be sympathetic to the people who you are 
employing to collaborate with you and work with you, but also as another lesson I've learned, set a boundary, and this isn't to sound harsh, make clear they know who the boss is. Yes, well, that, well that, that goes into the art of creating a power structure. Yeah. Right, like leadership is its own art form. Yeah. Right, that's why the CEOs of certain companies can go from being like the CEO of an airline to the CEO of Pepsi to this, like, cause, cause yeah. running a team of people is kind of the same art form no matter yeah. what those people are doing, whether yeah. they're building a bridge or, right. or running an army or something. It's yeah. like figuring out what is a chain of command. Right, who's and running it? Like, well, who who is the, who is the, what is the focal point? Who is yes. the person from which all things have to get delegated and done? And, you know, there was, you know, many times over several different people that became this tug of war. And I would go, listen, I'm all for collaboration. I'm all for you know, you giving me your feedback, especially when I ask for it. But after a while, there becomes a way in which you go about doing that. And it was another reminder to me that if I'm going to continue doing this and I, and I look forward to making to making more films, you know, is doing a much better job kind of explaining like what I need, how things have to move, how things have to happen. And it's a learning lesson. You know, I've never made a film before, a film that potentially, you know, I wanted to win Best Live Action Short at the Oscars. Um, so there was a learning curve. And, yeah. you know, when I say the word boss, you know, I don't want people to hear, oh, you just want to boss people around. That's not it. No, I think because because the, you have to have a singular vision. Only one person can drive a car at a time. Okay. Right. There can be many people in the car. We yep. can make suggestions. Hey, yep. can we pull over to the gas station? I got to yeah. take a shit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but still, it's yeah, one person leading it. the steering wheel. Yeah. That's it. And you know that sometimes when it comes or when people see certain opportunities, you know, it becomes crabs in a barrel trying to drive it because sometimes we forget that, you know, people go into situations and they have an expectation that you might not be aware of that kind of starts to affect their ability to collaborate. And sometimes when I think about me personally, when I've worked for other people and we've talked about this, you know, I always, and again, it was something that inspired me to do the film. I would go into certain work environments and when I would finally speak up and ask for a raise or ask for a promotion, and if not, could you maybe give me something, to, some kind of, you know, information to see how we can improve this, it's always completely shut down. And I go, okay, so you just expect me to show up and just keep building all this sweat equity and working like a monkey and I'm not going to get anything substantial in return. Um, that That is, that was one of the things on the flip side of it where everyone that shows up to do something, to work, to create, although we don't want to have an outcome, we-, we But we kind of do, okay, yeah. because, because there's different parts of it. Right. Uh, in a regular collaboration, that's not commercial specific. Yeah. Everybody's an equal, right? If a random person in the room throws out a great idea, we're like, oh, great idea, a random right. person. And it's all everybody contributes. Yeah. But when you're putting money into a real project yeah. with a call sheet and everything, yeah. no, there is an outcome. And we yeah. are all here to serve the yeah. main mission. Yeah. Period. Yep. Yeah. And sometimes the waters can get muddied 
when we don't set clear boundaries yeah. and expectations. And and yeah. that's and that's part of the gift of every project, right? Yeah. We, we didn't necessarily go to school for this, right? Like even me, I am a filmmaker and I didn't go to school for this shit. Every, right, every I time I do a project, yeah. I, I'm learning new ways to lead, new ways to organize, to, to delegate even, and even to use the right people on the right team. Cause I've had projects before where people, I've seen a producer take two, like a talented DP yeah. and a talented director, but they didn't go good together. Mm. The director didn't know how to use a DP. The DP didn't know how to interpret the director's vision. And the project looked like shit, even though they were individually talented. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I I think, um, that's another lesson that I learned, you know, throughout the course of this short, because I had to interact with a lot of people. I mean, it's crazy to say, but, you know, I am, I won't say employed because definitely people, you know, donated, you know, a lot of time for free, but, you know, 70 plus collaborators came onto this. Wow. And so that was a lot that I had to deal with not just in trying to organize a schedule, but just dealing with people's personalities and their neuroses, mm-hmm. you know, their um, things that had I had not done this, I don't think I would have grown as a person to go into the next stage of, you know, trying to be a leader and expected to be a leader. Because again, a director of a film is a leader. Anyway, yes. you slice that, yes. you know, you, you can't, I know everybody's directing style is different, but at the end of the day, you're the director. Mm-hmm. H- how are we going to, you're responsible for bringing a vision to life. And, you know, it's unfortunate that there are really talented people that can't work together. Cause there's, you know, even people I'm thinking now that I, I have the absolute admiration for and appreciate their work, but I know us as people, it's just two negative magnets mm-hmm. touching and it's no one wants that. No one yeah. needs that. No, that, that is, that is going to stifle the creative process more than anything else. And maybe we can use that as an example to imagine times in the past where we haven't been chosen for a job. Yeah. That maybe it wasn't because we weren't talented enough. Maybe it's because our personalities, somebody made a calculation that it wasn't the right fit energetically with somebody else, right, wrong, or indifferent. Right. Right. Like, like I remember when I did my first tour with Tyga, um, me and him got along great, but somebody from his team mm. and I, we, we, we butted heads a lot. He had this one guy that wasn't really doing much, but he was like an entourage guy who thought he was kind of leading things that yeah. he would just talk shit to me, not in a fun way, but like in a, I'm better than you kind of yeah. way. And it was flippant. It, it, it was, was it was very flippant. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it literally People love to be flippant. Yeah. And it just, it didn't work. And it wasn't because I wasn't right for the job. I was yeah. great for the job, but yeah. it just, th- those energies were not going to match. And I made a choice as well, you know? Mm. And we, we have to understand if we are going to be on the gig side, we kind of are at the, uh, we're beholden to the gatekeepers. Yeah. And that kind of comes with it, right? Like if yeah. you if you're, you know, in the back of a of a parasailing or, or hang gliding or whatever, right? Like if you're being pulled by the jet ski, you're being pulled by the jet ski. You're just hanging on for dear life. So hang, hang, woo, yeah. right? But if we want to take charge, then we have to to go into the unknown of creating our own projects. Yeah. Which is why I'm so proud of you that oh, you made it you. happen. Despite all the challenges, and you made that project happen. Sure did. I mean, and, and it gets, we can go down the rabbit hole even deeper because one of the biggest challenges was the covert racism that I experienced while making it because of the subject matter of it. You know, one time I was, you know, 
working on the film and somebody saw the two edits that we were playing with. And it's like, but who wants to see the angry black man for the first six minutes of a film? And I said, excuse me? It's like, yeah. That was a comment somebody made out loud to you? Oh, yeah. I've also had people say, you know, when I said I wanted to go to the film festival, American Black Film Festival, there was a person that came to me and they were just kind of, they made this like flipping ass joke where, you know, I'll just take it to the Aryan Film Festival. They'll really like the street scene because they were, you know, butthurt. Um, and I knew then that people, people have a hard time sometimes looking at art that makes them uncomfortable, even when the point of it isn't to make you uncomfortable, it's for you to see a different perspective. Um, and that racism kind of came up over and over and over again when I would, you know, leave a film festival and talk to somebody in the audience and, you know, slowly but surely it's like, but did he have to be angry for so long? Or, wow, I just feel like we really need to get to the dance sooner because it's so great. And I'm like, why do I have to tap dance and smile and bojangle for you, mm. for you to see my humanity when the whole point for you to actually love the dance is to see my humanity first, not the other way around. It's almost like they want to rush through the humanity. They're like, don't show us your struggles, just smile and just dance. Just smile and dance. And that was wow. kind of one of <clears throat> the biggest things that I came across in the past two years when I would show this edit and, and try to get, you know, and get some feedback on it. And I eventually had to drown that out and go, this is the story I want to tell. I will take win or lose, I will accept the fate of it. And I'm glad I listened to myself because, you know, Brazil knows it's better than anybody else. There was a second edit to this film that was <laughs> a point of contention for quite a while. Had I had chose that other one, I don't think we would be here. I don't think what would have happened would have happened. Yeah. Um, the editing process was quite a doozy. Oh my God. I know. I don't know how the hell you put up with me for that long. <laughs> uh, um, it's... Uh, well, I think the biggest thing is that, and this came up recently, so again with the short film, the short won the uh, Vanguard Award at the Malibu International Film Festival, which is Pierce Brosnan's festival. And um, <clears throat> it was the first time during a Q&A that I really felt someone actually look at me and speak to me and try not to impose what they think the film is about. Because there's one element to the film where, you know, we're dancing in this black and white fantasy and it is, it's black against white. But eventually at the end we come together and there's a, a, a form of integration. Mm. And people always look at that and go, oh, but you know, we but, but we came together at the end. And, and at the end, you know, you have so much hope to go on to the next day. I said, that is absolutely not. <laughs> what this is about. There is a level of integration in it. Yes, there's a, f we do need to come together. I think, you know, there is a form of that, but at the end of the day, I still end up in my apartment with no job, with no money. And me just fantasizing about that is kind of the only thing I have going. And so, yes, the integration is a part of it, but it's almost like people want to- They're missing the point. Yeah, it, it, it's like you- you still don't really quite want to see the humanity. Um, it's like they just want to focus on the happy-go-lucky part of yeah. it. Be <laughs> yeah, although people love when, all, when, when, when I always say the chocolate kids come out the kitchen and yeah. <laughs> uh, they start doing the dance. And um, 
No, that was um that that seemed to be like I said, it's things like that. This kind of I call it covert racism because I don't think people are deliberately trying to be racist or trying to, you know, dismiss what I'm trying to do, but it gets a little hairy when a lot of those opinions are usually coming from people that, you know, don't look like me that are, you know, usually Caucasian. It's almost like the implicit bias. Like yeah. They might not a, even realize that yeah. in what they're saying are a lot of racist assumptions. Right. Um, and, and kind of piggybacking off that, you know, it's, um, you know, we didn't get nominated for a lot of awards, but, you know, we got nominated for some significant awards and, you know, recently, I don't know if you read this, but in The Hollywood Reporter, uh, Nikki Fowler, who was the president of the HCA, where we got nominated, she just resigned. She stepped down because of a hostile work environment mm. and what she felt to be sometimes, you know, racist practices. And it affected me because, one, she's been a champion for the short right out of the gate. And, you know, it, I don't think if it wasn't for her, Chauncey, that worked for the HCA, I don't think we would have been a part of that nomination along with Taylor Swift, which... And the other, you know, three yeah. shorts that were there. Yeah, no, she was on me like the whole time. And, um, you know, it's funny because even at that award show, which kind of ties into the whole experience, they wouldn't even let me go to my table once I got there. Hmm? I got to this award show, Hollywood Critics Association. Um, and it was one of the last big award shows of the season that we were nominated at. They wouldn't let me or my mother or my cousin go to my table. They gave the excuse that, oh, well, you were late. I had to work. I was not that late because there were seat fillers that took your seat. So we'll just find you somewhere else. And at first they wanted to put us in the back of the entire award show where we couldn't see anything. So I said, you know what? We'll go sit at another table further back. At least we then could see. Whole award show goes by. The president comes up to me and says, Wait, Yusuf, you showed up? You were here? I thought you weren't here. I said, we've been here the whole time. The woman said there were seat fillers and we couldn't get to the table. She said, Yusuf, there are no seat fillers. Your table's been empty the entire time. Mm. Mind you, this award show was at the end of Black History Month. Mm. And so it was the irony of, as one of the few black nominees, few black directors being nominated, and making a work that although it is about the spirit of perseverance and and to you know keep going there is still a racial element to it it, it kind of was like art imitates life and life imitates art and um of course the award show wanted to you know the award committee wanted to you know jump over backwards and you know, apologize, but at that time, it was just like, there's nothing really that you can say. You know, there's, it was kind of the moment where one, I need to kind of turn my brain off, step away from the film, and then start asking myself, okay, what from this can I actually take away and enjoy? Because it seemed like every moment that came up where I thought we were like, hmm, something would happen. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I kind of tie that story in to go, you know, the the overarching theme of the short was that yes people really enjoyed it but it almost kind of confirmed what my film was about is these explicit and implicit biases when you look at someone that looks like me and what they're capable of and where they can go if that's if that makes sense at all no it does in so many ways if you could summarize your film and, and the purpose of it and into just one one thought what would it be oh god <clears throat> 
why are our dreams sometimes so vastly different from the realities that we live in that no matter what, if an artist or a person has a dying, like a just a yearning, a dying How can I say this? I'm sure you're probably going to edit it. Um, I'll start that over. I'll say this. First line would be, why are our dreams sometimes so vastly different from the realities that we live? And then the other one is we have this dying, yearning want and need to create things. One, why is that so difficult? And even with it being difficult, we must persist and we must do. We must create. We must get out what we need to get out no matter what because usually these would be the things that will eat us alive if we don't express them. Yeah. And I think that's what makes us real artists is that desire that you have to create. You well, can't not create it because it's, it's also at this point you've given birth to the film. It's bigger than you. Now the film has a life of its own and yeah. it's already affecting and touching other people in ways that you can't even calculate. No, right? no, I can't. And, and, you know, as we go along this journey, I'm really looking for, not looking for, I, I am anticipating and hoping that it can finally reach the audience that I envisioned it to, 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 you know, to hit, to reach. And right now we're kind of dealing with distribution right now. And that's kind of, a whole other conversation I don't want to get into. Yeah. Music rights, baby. I'm like, who? you know, why did I have to pick Dizzy Gillespie? Um, <laughs> but I always have to remember that regardless yeah. of any letdown or any extenuating circumstances that I've had to go through to make this film, the best part is that it was something that I wanted to make and I could stand by it and say, I enjoy looking at this no matter what. And I hope other people will too. And I do hope that it does reach a bigger audience, irregardless of, you know, what credits or awards, which is nice, you know, nice to accumulate those things, irregardless of that, that it is being put into, put into the world, put into the ether, and other artists that can look at it know that it's possible. Because the one thing that I haven't touched on that, you know, it was a shoestring, a dollar and a dream that did this. I mean, when I sit and think about this short that everyone says, oh my God, you must spend two or $300,000 on that. We're barely cracking the five figures. And again, most of this was favor. Um, so it lets me know that what can be done. I'm not going to do that again because I definitely, <laughs> I, know, I know. And I mean that, you know, I right. think we, we always, if you don't have some, you know, huge financial backing behind you, you're inevitably trying to find ways, you know, to turn, nothing into something, even though you are so limited in your resources, it's not even funny. And what always takes me aback and I love it is that people always go, God, but the production value, the editing, the coloring, big up to Alec, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> big up to Ashton that came through. Um, people always get so jazzed about that. And then I explained it in the process and they're just like, holy shit. Like, how, how did you guys do that? How did you shoot that dance in two 
days. How did you get these street scenes without a permit? I'm like, Brazil, with his <laughs> girlfriend, walking around downtown LA. Like, no, it, it's, um, you know, I haven't had a moment to really sit here and really express the amount of people that have come into this without an agenda. And I have to, you know, preference that. Um, Do you know why they did it? Yeah. Why? Because I give really good hugs. <laughs> because we believe in you. And, and, and there's, and, and you're the truth creatively. You just Thank are. You. Thank you. Know? you. No, and brother, I appreciate that. <clears throat> I was thinking about this when somebody was criticizing my, my favorite hip hop artist, who you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. They were saying that, oh, but he uses a lot of writers and there's a bunch of people that help him out in doing it. I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's even more proof because God aligns that many people to want to help yeah. his vision come true. Yeah. It means that the vision is, is important. It's there for a reason, yep. right? Like if you weren't meant to be a creator, I don't think it would have worked out. People would have just been busy. Right. I wouldn't have wanted to film. Sorry, yeah. Yusuf, I'm tired. Yeah. But the fact that everybody was like, you know what? I don't have a lot of extra time. Yeah. These weren't all rich people helping you. These are all no. fellow struggling artists yeah. who said, you know what? Yeah. I believe in Yusuf enough to, to show up for his film yeah. and give my all, even yeah. though I'm not being paid. I'm not going to half-ass it yeah. because I'm doing it for free. You yeah. had people going out of their way to be yep. excellent. Yep. That speaks to your anointment, so to speak. Right mm. uh, of as a creator, I, I heard this that this is you know the word anointment has come up a lot this past couple of weeks, and it's I can say this honestly, it's almost like I almost was afraid, not even almost, I was afraid of my own power mm. because I think a lot of times, no, not even a lot of times in my history, in my experience, whenever I would perk up and want to show what I'm capable of, it was diminished. It was quieted or it would try to be altered or manipulated. And so I'm still getting comfortable with the fact that yes, something in me clearly is attracting these people to want to do this um, and not just do it just, you know, just to show up and do a favor. Like you even said it, I go and I look at this short and go, these, these motherfuckers broke their neck and, and mm -hmm. there's, this is beyond money and you know you know god willing cuz i'm still working on this you know the distribution is the last component of this i can finally give this back to them but even without that and even when i catch them up they're like you said don't even worry about it i didn't do it for that i knew because you were doing it i knew it was going to come out because you care cuz i know that if you're going to make something you you first off you don't do it very often so if you're going to make something i'm going to show up and i'm and i'm going to do it um I'm trying to get comfortable with this anointing and trying to step into it without feeling like I need to either apologize for it or I need to shorten myself because I don't want to intimidate people or make them scary of me or frighten them. Nah, fuck that, man. Yeah. No, no, no. It's we're not doing anybody else a favor by dimming our own light. I agree. And, and we say it, but I can even admit to myself, there's been so many times where I've gone, I, I've literally watched myself dim myself in front of people yes, because same. I didn't want to make people uncomfortable, not even realizing that I made you uncomfortable the moment I walk into this damn room. And maybe, and maybe the deeper truth in that, because I've done that too my, my whole life, is that we didn't want to feel uncomfortable in realizing that we're special. 
because what we want to feel is connected to other people. We do. And it is, and it's a weird feeling, not to say that you're better than other people, but right. there are certain people that are chosen for certain paths. And I think as artists, we want to be like, no, I'm, I'm one of you guys. We're all here, yeah. right? But then you realize, wait a minute, I, I really got the sauce right now. Like I am here for a reason. But yeah. then you realize that if you shine too bright, then you're going to be different, and they might act weird. So we say, well, I don't want that to happen. I don't want to. I don't want to step on any toes. So let me just yeah. be a you know a safe version of myself because we value staying protected by the so-called tribe. Yeah, <clears throat> more than being all we can be. Because sometimes yeah. to be all you can be, you may have to upset the tribe. And that is something mm -hmm. that I've had to come to terms with and get more comfortable with starting this year. <clears throat> that, that was another lesson I took from this is being okay with people not agreeing with me and, you know, fiercely opposing me and not agreeing with me. And also admitting to myself that I do like taking on a leadership position and learning how best to do that because I don't plan on stopping. I don't plan on not making any more films, which means that's going to, require more people, more interactions with people. Um, and, yeah, and that's I, part of your learning to be at that level, right? It, it at, every, at every level of the game, there are different skills to learn. Yes, right? there is. Right? Yes, there is. It, it, and, it's like there's a different tax bracket or there's a different emotional bracket. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Emotional intelligence is something that I don't think we talk about enough. And again, I'm not a therapist, so... I sometimes like to shy away from conversations where it starts to get a little esoteric and a little heady because, you know, who am I? Like, yes, I'm an artist. Yes, I am Yousef. Yes, I am this man in this skin. But you're a human being living a, life. So you can right, express whatever you want. Right. You know, and, and I was going to say that you express whatever you want. But, you know, sometimes it you know, I don't want to fall victim to kind of the what do I call it? <laughs> the mean microwavable like psychology two second yeah conversations you know what i mean I, i'm not well, people just do instagram quotables and act yeah, like they know what i, just, I yeah, don't yeah. i like to shy away from that because it's like listen I, I don't have any degree in it i've lived life and this is all i can say um yeah it, it i don't know if it stems from some kind of childhood abuse or being overly criticized when I was a child or rejection, because I think being a dancer, being I mean, being any being anything in Los Angeles is going to come with a certain level of rejection. Mm -hmm. But I do think some people go through more rejection than others. And in my case, I've gone through a lot of rejection and, and gone through what I now know to be a lot of mischaracterizations of who I am and what I stand for and what I mean. And, you know, one thing I always hated was I hate when people say, well, you said, I think you're just misunderstood. And I would go, well, what's there to misunderstand? I have a pretty good command over the English language. If you want to know something, you know, let's get a beer and ask me. I don't know like where the misunderstanding is, but I think again, it goes back to what you're saying that there are certain people. And if I'm one of them, I'm grateful for it. I think, that is something that is a gift that may, is not given to everybody. Um, sometimes that leads people to not know how to interact with you. And maybe it's not that you're misunderstood, is that you're miscalculated and people mm. try to calculate what they think you should be and how you should fit in, what you look like, oh, what you deserve to say. Oh, oh, this guy that looks like this, he probably doesn't know anything about lighting. So shut up. Let me tell you about lighting. Things like that, right? You just, it's, okay, yeah, it, it's, no, it's, going. it's a, this preconception they have of you yeah. that is wrong. It's not that they're misunderstanding you. Yeah. Is that th what they thought about you 
is the misunderstanding part, right? It's the, the their perception going into it, yeah. th their limitations of who they think you can be, yeah. right? Oh, and also in general, a lot of people are on the let me not step on toes perspective, right? For good, better, or worse. And you are somebody with a lot of resolve. Ever since mm -hmm. I've met you, you, you're opinionated. And hopefully in a good way. Cause I think Well, that's the whole point of being an artist. Yeah. I mean Right? It, it's like you're not supposed to please everybody. Like no, you're not supposed you to know, please it, everybody. It's like choosing to shoot a film in black and white. That's a that's a big choice. Is it worth saying to hell with colors? Right. right? It, it's a it's a decision. You're, you're decisive. And I think you you're that way about a lot of things. Yeah. And a lot of people might be like, well. I don't like that he's so opinionated because he's not giving me room. No. Well, you know yeah. what? But that's what an artist is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you feel something. I think with me, whenever someone would say to me that, you know, I'm opinionated or overly opinionated, it always had a negative connotation to it. Like, you know, if you think about that, it's... Um, well, it's negative because most people are afraid to be, to show their real opinions. So when yeah. they say that you're too opinionated, what they're really saying is that they're not opinionated enough. Is, is that or they're not brave enough to, to say... Or, or, or my opinion is accurate and they don't want it to be accurate because somehow, yeah. some way it shakes up some kind of status quo. Um, people say a lot of wishy-washy statements. They don't, they don't just say, you know what? I don't like that red jacket. <laughs> Period. Wait, you don't right? like my red jacket? <laughs> but people, people are afraid to say statements like that. Okay, but, no, no. We need to go back to this. You don't like my red jacket? <laughs> I don't like bright jackets, right? People will say stuff like that. Oh, I, I love I love your jacket, but I'm saying people are afraid to, to be specifically you know, decisive. I'm looking at the camera right now. <laughs> don't look at the camera, man. You better cut this. <laughs> right. I think a lot of people are afraid to really voice their opinion, especially yeah. now in LA with things being so politically correct. Right. Yeah. So the fact that you have an opinion and that you stick to it, I think will make mm. people mad at themselves for not expressing themselves that much. I can agree with that, and because people that are really killing it and are very expressive, I bet they understand you better. And that's something else too, that I've come to, come to another realization of is seasons. You know, people, we go, we go through seasons in our life and every season either adds people to our life or removes people from our life. I think that's mm -hmm. probably, uni that's universal with everyone. Um, you know, race, creed, color, you know, sexual orientation aside. And, I, I'm beginning to like the people that I'm attracting because it it's kind of the people that I've always wanted to be around, but it just took a little long to get there. Like people who, even if they're not artists, there are lovers of, lovers of art that put their money where their mouth is and mm -hmm. really see things as an opportunity to, opportunity to say and do things that normally aren't done because I think even to make art, whether it's deemed good, bad, or in between is a privilege. That's a huge privilege to manifest something from nothing into something. Yes. And, you know, you said earlier about, cause we're real artists, you know, I've always even had a hard time admitting to myself, I'm a real artist, which is crazy because I think about <laughs> even the people that I've danced for. It's like, Yusuf, are you insane? Like sometimes I have to sit myself and go, are you fucking insane? Like, why do you always have to, put this fake humility on yourself. Right. Like there, and not to say that you shouldn't be humble, but I think sometimes there is 
a bit of this culture where we're always passing on this fake toxic humility. Like yes, no toxic one, humility. No one is that passive aggressive. Like I'll sometimes even look at Instagram and see dancers, you know, talking about, oh, I was so nervous in my anxiety. And, and I was like, are they going to like it? I'm just like, dude, you're one of the greatest people <laughs> in the world. You have like, and again, I'm not saying that people shouldn't express themselves because we all have fears and anxiety and doubt when we create something. But sometimes there's a line. And, and I, over the past, I think five to 10 years, I started putting my foot down and going, no, I'm not going to humble myself out of what I deserve and humble myself out of allowing people to disrespect me and talk to me anyway. That That's something that has been the biggest thing is going back to the opinionated thing. You know, when people don't think you are positive or humble enough, then the attacks start. Well, I think you should. It's like, first off, I didn't fucking ask you. Um, <laughs> you know, it was <laughs> not to be. I'm I'm gonna uh, put the get get the live going for a little bit on on IG, just to share. Um, why why do you think that is that we have this habit of this forced toxic humility, right? I think a part of it is that we identify with the artist that yearns for something, right? Like I've always yearned to make these amazing videos. And every time I make a video, yeah. I then yearn to make them even better. Like right now I'm making my best looking stuff ever. Right. And yet I feel like I'm so far away from what I want to create because now I'm holding myself to higher standard. Now I'm saying, yeah. well, my stuff doesn't look as good as Hype Williams or as right. good as Spielberg. And right. I just, I just keep it raising and raising and raising and raising, which is in one hand part of the power yeah. Of being an artist, but yeah. it's also the downfall of appreciating yourself. Well, and it's also the power of humility because to look at someone else's work and know you still have things to learn. Right. It, it is a form of humility and respect to people that are tr that have done what you've done or people that are doing what you're doing, whether they're at the level you are or higher, and you appreciate their work and there's something to learn. So I think that when it comes to being an artist and keeping you know, a humble spirit about you is important. But the toxic humility and positivity I find it is when it's like everyone is pretending to be a sheep when they're really <laughs> a hyena. And Oh, that's a good one. And that, and again, because you don't want to harp on the negative, which I know people avoid that word like the bubonic plague in LA. But yeah, after a certain point, I'm not going to contort and twist and humble and shrink myself into a position where I'm allowing one, someone to disrespect me and talk my way out of not getting what I deserve. Because I think when we press upon, you know, humility and being grateful and positive, yes, those things are beautiful. Those are beautiful affirmations. Walk in that, stay in that. I understand that. But that usually has a line, and I think sometimes people use those words to manipulate people and to get more out of them than they should be giving in the first place. I think it, it did. You're saying the peer pressure to be yeah, overly it, humble. Overly humble. I think after a certain while, I think we almost talk ourselves into devaluing ourselves because we don't want to just stand up a little and go, hey, I just want to raise my hand for a second. Can I get, I don't know, like a livable wage? I mean, let's really talk about this. I mean, I was, you know, because I'm dealing with something right now. I had to go through my tax returns, um, and I kind of like to plot my income. I was literally a couple thousand dollars away from the poverty line, poverty line back in 2017 up until like 2020. And I thought to myself, 
how on earth have I been duped into doing X, Y, and Z for these jobs? And I don't have any fucking money, Brazil. I was like, wait a minute. I'm working too hard. I am sweating like a runaway slave. I am building, I don't know how much sweat equity. And I am literally sitting at the poverty line living in Los Angeles. And of course, when you go to the powers that be, oh, well, you know, you have to remember, we know how that conversation goes. <laughs> and I, yeah, right. And so after a while, it's like, but you know, just be grateful. Just be humble. Give it a little bit more time. I'm sure we can work something out. Just think positive. Mind you, I'm at the poverty line. I really do think that that it we have to know how to draw the line at what is genuine humility and and patience and blessings and positivity and what a, and what is just a ruse to manipulate people out of valuing themselves. Yes. And I think that happens rather long winded as hell. No, <laughs> regardless if if it's intentional or not. Right. The general energy for the general public. Yeah. From the powers that be, which is shifting. There is no one powers that be. In every yeah. industry, there's thousands of people that are quote unquote the powers that be. Right. Right. But generally speaking, it's your pawn. Yeah. Keep being a good little pawn. Yep. Don't get too loud, and somehow it'll work out for you. Wink, wink. Whereas the winners, th there's not a lot of cheering on for people to be actual winners, which is why I dropped out of high school. Because I was like, mm. eh, I'm really, I'm very pro-education. Right. But the school system is not for winners. It's for mm. people that work for winners, right? And that's been, that's been a very common thread um, I mean, that's been spoken you, you know what time I mean? after time. Yeah. So, so the general advice is like, oh, it's not specific enough to help you win. It's not saying, here, Yusuf, here's how you're going to become a rich artist in the next two years, right. specifically. Nobody's right. giving you that advice. They're just saying, no. keep your head up. Keep, Keep your, head your up. chin up. Keep your chin up. Like Dave Chappelle said, it's got nothing to do with my chin. <laughs> nothing to do with my chin. Oh, and while you're doing it, keep dancing. You know, it's like and we, smile and smile because we need, listen. You know, my black ass. Nobody people. wants an angry black man. No be, one wants an angry black yeah, man. Yeah. And no one wants me. You know, what's light, that line? Light, light bright, bright and sunny. sunny. Yeah, you know, it's funny. There's a there's a story about that. <laughs> where I got that from. It was Dominique Kelly that first said that line. You know, Yusuf, when you're dealing with the industry, you know, you gotta. You know, you got to be on your sunshine campaign. And I was like, what the fuck is a sunshine campaign? And it was like, you know, be on time. Don't be difficult. You know, don't, you know, talk back, you know, be, you know, be. Well, I mean, you be, you know, be, in be, general, yeah, you know, that's, that's relatively decent advice. But you know, what's embedded in there is a little bit of don't be all you can be. I mean, some well, of I, it is like be professional, right? But embedded in there is don't be too much of a star, right? And and it's funny to me because you know this is somebody that I know for a fact that has you know definitely you know complimented my work and mm. has champion has champ championed it before, and so you know when he said that to me, the funny thing is that it kept coming up after the fact, and in different ways, and and I would always go. I understand the pillars of being professional. Then that's not to say that things don't come up. Of course things come up. We have lives. We work. Bereavement. We get sick. We get overbooked. These things happen. Like, you know, it's the, the business of business. But I sometimes will find myself going, why is everybody describing to me the pillars of, of basic professionalism? What does that have to do with, you know, with, uh, being on a damn sunshine campaign, being light, bright, and sunny? No, there's something. Patronizing. It's it gets very patronizing. After it, is it patronizing or patronizing? Fuck it. What it, fuck it. Yeah. Um, 
No, after a while, you I kept hearing it, and I would go, okay, I understand these things, everyone, and clearly I understand it because you're saying it to me while we're at while while we're at work, which I was on time for, because we're at work having this conversation. So again, it, it goes back to. I don't want to say there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians because I never want to say to another person, you don't have the right to be a chief. Everyone has the right right to go for the gold. Go for the gusto. Do what you want to do. Put yourself in a leadership position. Make what you want to make. You know, start what you want to start. But um, it, it it got really patronizing after a while. And that was actually another thing, honestly, that inspired my short film. Like, I literally put that dialogue into the short film because – a lot of times, especially in LA, people love micro and passive aggression in ways where I'm like, if we were anywhere else, you would have, and not that I'm trying to promote violence, but from a person to person disrespectful sort of way, you would have had the shit slapped out of you already. Like people aren't dumb. They know what you're doing. They know that you're speaking down to them. And um, and there's a fine line between having a positive mindset and not acknowledging somebody's pain. Like you don't mm. go to somebody who's at a funeral and you say, well, look at the bright side. Like <laughs> it's not, that's not the time for that. It's not at the some point, maybe some weeks, maybe some months later, you say, yeah. Hey guy, let's move on with your life in, in a loving way. But, but you don't, you have to acknowledge where people are at and you can't force positivity on somebody else. You can't force positivity, but it's funny that you bring up funerals because no one knows this. I'm saying it now. I had to go to Texas for my aunt Cheryl's funeral. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't, I didn't see her very often. And what irks me about it and what's haunting about it is we were planning for me to come out to Texas to visit her. I did not know that her illnesses were so severe. If so, I would have came sooner. So one that brings up the, just the, the sensitivity and the appreciation and the value of time that, that was very clear to me. But the flip of that is her funeral had to be one of the greatest celebrations of life I've ever seen. Now, my family is blackly black in Texas. And so I'm talking Christian, Bible school, choir, choir director, youth choir, youth ministry, you know, just in blackity black. And I just, and I loved it. And no, but I, and I had to say it, and it makes me a little emotional that yeah. even though it was a funeral, Brazil, it was a vibe. The huh? love in that room, 500, and I'm going to say it, black people in a room, although we know we've lost a loved one, we're going to celebrate what she did on this planet. The choir sang, there are angels on earth. That's what I was, that's what was confirmed to me, sitting in that church, listening to that choir, and then listening to the pastor while he was celebrating my aunt's life in this church. And I, from what he told me, she was exactly what I expected. No bullshit. He said, because, huh, Miss Drain, honey, Miss Cheryl Johnson Drain will tell you to put some more clothes on in the house of God. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, you love hearing that. And um, what does death mean to you? What do you mean? What, death? Yeah. Oof. I think death is the reminder that time is finite and should not be wasted. And death is the reminder that it is up to us to make value of this time in our life. How do you want to be remembered after you're gone? 
fully understood. Mm. I think it would really, really sometimes bother me that I was never understood. And even up until my adult years, it's like, why am I so, again, not to you know beat a dead horse, misunderstood? Nothing would make me happier and fully understood through every facet of my creativity. Because at that point, I don't need to have the, well, let me explain. No, I made it. I said it. It's on a screen for $10.99. Matinee. <laughs> Is it more important to be understood or to be felt? I would use that as a synonym for it. I was like, yes, I'd say both. I like, think. do you think Picasso was understood or was, did we feel his art? Like, do you understand Picasso? Or no. do you feel like? But I can feel it. So I guess, yes, you can, you can split that up. To be fully understood, or I guess fully embraced, but a part of that would be, yes, to be felt. But for me. Because understood also requires somebody's perspective to, it's like an intellectual thing. Oh, I see where he was coming from with that, right? There's an intellectual understanding. Yeah. Like a, there's a comprehension. Yeah. Right? Because you can comprehend something that you don't agree with. Yeah. And you don't have to agree. I, I definitely am not looking for agreement. I, I'm not I, I'm not looking for a gold star to say, oh, I finally agree with you. You don't need to agree with me. I mean, people agree with my mere, they don't agree with my mere existence. I mean, we still have, you know, the Klan doing rallies in 2023. I, I'm not looking for, you know, gross, you know, understanding from just anyone, I think, as you're putting it to be fully understood, thus being fully embraced and fully felt um, as an artist. And I would say as a person, but that takes too much energy. I, I don't, I don't think I need to be fully understood by all people. I, I think it, it's more so as I'm going into this next stage of creation as a writer and a director um, to be understood, but also felt Felt, felt and embraced, which is weird because then it comes back to the conversation of love. It's like, am I asking for love? Like, I want to be loved. By? Hmm. By whom? And how would you know if you got it? Right. Um, like, if it was achieved before you die, how would you know? Right. You wouldn't know. And then it begs the question, you know, why do performers and artists have this need to be seen, heard, understood, loved by people that may they may not ever meet? Because again, we're working with the medium of film now. We're we're working with telling stories to where this is for anyone to view and watch. And right. I mean, we I'm, can still watch movies and hear songs from people that have passed away. That have passed away. We go, God, I love them. You know, like Nina Simone. I love Nina Simone. I will never meet this woman. Um, Do you believe ideas exist before we create them in the same idea that like the soul of a baby exists and then the baby is born, but the soul is already there. Yes. Like did your film already exist? And then it was just born through you. Do you believe in that philosophically? I think that, I mean, it's, a, it's an amalgamation of things. I mean, yes, I think it was inevitable because it, if there are forces, there are energetic forces that are trying to push us into the right direction of what we're supposed to do. Absolutely. I, I think it's always been there. Um, it's just, I had to grow into the time 
and the place and the spirit and the know-how to execute it, or at least have enough know-how to execute it. Um, and that's that's the journey of an artist is to yeah. learn to actualize the desires that we have. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean, it is a journey of an artist, but it's weird because when I have these conversations about being an artist, sometimes we can get into our own, you know, echo chamber and talk about these, you know, the plights and the wants and the, and doing this stuff as an artist. And then at the same time, I'll sit there and go, but I'm just an artist. What, what really can I change? Which is ridiculous because we know the power of artists. You know, I was just thinking about this the other day. I think culture is more important than politics. Oh, absolutely. Because it's what drives it. Yeah. Right? Culture is what influences the people that yeah. end up voting on politics. The people that end up running things mm. grew up in some kind of culture, right? Like the fact that the, the Marriage Equality Act was passed yeah. had something to do with the fact that LGBTQ had representation in the years yeah. prior. If yeah. it wasn't for TV shows that had friendly gay characters yeah. or whatever, if yeah. that stuff wasn't around, if there weren't people that came out in culture first, that showed what it was, mm. it then wouldn't have showed up politically. And I think sometimes we we say, yeah, I'm just an artist. You know, there's the real people with power, yeah. but, but really we're influencing the people that end up doing that. Like maybe somebody's gonna watch your film. Yeah. And three years from now, that person will have a baby. And then 20 years from then, they'll show that baby that film. And then that baby will end up becoming president. You don't know how far yeah. it could reach. Yeah, it could go that. Yeah. It could go. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no. And Listen. it's so hard to calculate exactly. because we've been touched by like you know. Sometimes I'll watch a movie that's yeah. like The Matrix that everybody's seen, and other Matrix. times I'll watch things that like I played you that album today that I don't think many people have heard at all, but yeah. it impacted me. Right. Nobody else is talking about that album, but I love that album. So I I don't just listen to things that are popular. Right. I listen to things that I connect with. Right. Right. So maybe on the reverse side, as artists, we shouldn't think that well. If a million people didn't see my podcast, I guess it's not successful. Right. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. And, and you know, and the funny thing is, as we're you know shooting the shit, it's I know it's bogus when I let those ideas come into my mind because I'm gonna make what I'm gonna make anyway, whether one right. person looks at it or a million people. Um, but I definitely do have those moments where I have to check in with myself and I, and ask, why are you making this? Are, are you making this to get just a complete exterior validation? Or is there something in you that is dying to get out? Um, and I think as long as I remember that it's something that's dying to get out, that it needs to come into the real form, you know, I'm always going to champion be an artist. Because like you said, you know, how the world is shaped is from culture. How do we create culture? Culture comes from, one, what, you know, how people are moving in a society. And then the other part of it is what's being created in society that is provoking thought. Yes. Um, and artists are, you know, I always say the, the gatekeepers and manifestation of expressing the human condition. Yes. And you know, it's funny, uh, an artist's job to, um, ev uh, provoke thought, is that what we said? Provoke yeah. ev or evoke thought? Is that the, the phrase you used? Yeah, I would say artists, or I, I've said it a couple different ways, but that, you know, artists are the manifestation, um, Fuck, I just had a goddamn But, but ba basically, something you said something to the tune of yeah. it's part of the artist's job to provoke the thought. Right. It, it made me think of stand-up comedians. Yeah. And a bit of the controversy on stage, at least. Yeah. Not their personal lives, but on stage, 
that happened in the last few years about safe spaces, mm. right? And I'm an ally to everybody, but I think we have it severely wrong when it comes to safe spaces in the comedy world. The only safe space in the comedy world mm. is for the comedian. Mm. As an audience, we're supposed to make the comedian feel safe enough to fully come out and express. Right. It's not the comedian's job to make the audience feel safe. It's almost like uh, uh, having somebody feel safe enough to come out of the closet. Right. Well, don't, don't of, think it's ridiculous. Right. A lot know, of people don't come out of the closet because it doesn't feel safe. Right. Right. So we need to create a safe space for that to happen. Yeah. But when it comes to going to a stand-up comedy show or yeah. a spoken word show or yeah. whatever, you might not like what the artist is saying. But as an audience member, and you're allowed to not like it. Yeah. Like somebody might not like your film. <laughs> right. And there's, and there's plenty. Trust but, me. But <laughs> but the safe space is for the artist. Yeah. Is to create a space safe enough for you to make the film that you want to make. And then as the audience member, they can say, well, I liked it. I didn't like it. But right. it's not, you're not supposed to change your film to make the audience feel safe. Yeah, absolutely not. And, you know, there was a, a, a minute, even during the editing process, even when we weren't talking, yeah. where I started to feel like, okay, I'm taking in way too many opinions. This mm -hmm. has to, we, we need to cut it. Um, and I need to go back to why I made this, who I'm making it for, and what needs to be expressed and felt. And going back to the line, you know, artists, I think I'm going to clean it up so that it makes more sense. Artists are the manifestation of the human condition. And artists are the manifestation of creating. Hold on, I'm probably going to edit this. But <laughs> artists are the artists are the gatekeepers in the manifestation of expressing the human and condition. provoking the human condition. Yes. That is the best way to say it. I wanted to find just right. Artists are the gatekeepers and the manifestation of expressing and provoking the human condition. Yes. That reminds me of one of my favorite quotes that art is a lie that tells the truth. Art is a lie that tells the truth. I'm with that. I can jive with that. I can give with that. I can absolutely give with that. And not everything that's going to help you grow is going to feel positive right away. Well, absolutely not. And that is <laughs> lesson number 1,752 of Yusef goes down the film making rapid hole. <laughs> Fuck. It's, uh, people say it. People say this, but I think to be in it, it always feels different. Learning that when you learn certain things and experience certain things, it is not going to be a positive experience. And the thing is, I've known this for quite some time because I've gone through quite some extenuating circumstances, not only as a person, but even professionally in Los Angeles, things that I think most people, or as what's been detailed to me, you know, don't come back from. And don't feel like they could ever really be them wholesales ever again. Um, I, I do like to, I, I have to kind of give myself some credit and go, you know, perseverance and in, in being resilient has been, whether I wanted to or not, really kind of kept me sane, even within this, you know, previous experience with this film, where I was learning a lot of lessons, but it didn't feel good to learn those lessons. It was like- They were unpleasant experiences. It was very unpleasant. And, you know, I I don't want to shy away from that. I don't want to be disheartened by it. Um, 
But I think it always sucks to have to go through life lessons that just don't feel good. Um, and I think that's universal for every person. You know, we want things to always go well. And I would say that to myself when I was alone, like, God, I just want things to just go well. And not for a day, not for an hour, like for a month. Can just things go well? Right. Like, please, for the love of God, like for my sanity, for my mother's, for my mother, for my family, for my ancestors, can we just, I just want this to go well. And learning to be comfortable in the uncomfortable is a lesson that I'm going to have to take with me for a long time. Um, moving into the next phase of this, which we haven't really talked about, um, you know, for anyone that's listening that we don't have, you know, a streamer yet or a platform we're going to put the short on. But right now I am in talks to close on a development deal that will adapt the short either into a feature film or a limited series. That's now another option that's come to my attention. So that's amazing. Regret bro. to inform you is, um, you know, big up to Peter Morgan. He's a producer in LA produced American sniper. And, um, you know, quite the character I will say, but a passionate motherfucker. And the more that I've, I've really just started to get to know him. It's like, you know, you need people like that, that are, that, that are willing to stand crazy with you until you make it. And then people realize you were never crazy the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We need people like him. And, uh, and also shout out to fucking Harvey Mason Jr. Too. You know, you know, I didn't know that man, you know, prior to this film, Peter brought him to my attention and, you know, this is kind of at the time where this is like summer of 2022. I was ready to call it quits on the film. I was out of money. Uh, I don't know how I was going to fundraise any more money. I was already starting to get pushed back as far as music rights and film festivals weren't really biting it yet. And I was beginning to feel like, okay, this is, you know, this might be a bust, but at least I tried. And, you know, Peter, Sidney Holland, you know, specifically Harvey Mason Jr., they, that was another like reminder to, okay, this is going somewhere. And this person who I never met before to have such this reaction to the short, the reaction that I was hoping for, um, it just kind of changed everything for me. And, and it really was the catalyst to another catalyst for me to keep going and for us to even be here talking about, you know, the future of this project, which again, there's no guarantees, you know, we don't know how it's going to look and how it's going to run. But if this is, given that this was my very first short, given the amount of PR and, and now focusing on the genuine positive, the genuine love and support and admiration that people showed me, it just, it, I'm almost like fighting back tears because it's, it feels good to sometimes just be genuinely seen and seen by those that are genuine tastemakers that are, that are genuinely objective and can really tell you without any bullshit, what is good and what is bad. We, we want compliments, but sometimes it matters who that compliment is coming from. And when it's coming from people that have been, you know, in the world of Los Angeles and film for a long time, and they're telling you there's nothing like this in the category. And on top of that, which I wasn't even aware of, you know, I think I was one of one of maybe less than five black directors that were even remotely in the conversation for Oscar contention. Um, 
And I love that I was able to do that alongside another black man like Harvey Mason Jr., who is the first black CEO of the Recording Academy. Like, I have to remind myself of that. Like, I'm literally partnering with someone that is literally breaking barriers right in front of my eyes. It's divine timing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, oof, yeah. I'm very proud of you, bro. Yeah. And this yeah. is just the beginning of yeah, your transition yeah. in, into Ooh. this new phase. It, it's, it's so beautiful to see, man. I am so, so proud of you, bro. Well, could it's, you know, it's historic. You know what? Fuck you. Now I'm sitting here crying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, we're cutting this. <laughs> it's, thank you. Thank you. And, and I say that to say that, Brazil, you've seen, but I'll put it this way. I'm okay giving you the permission to see me in all forms, good and bad, which you have seen. And so you looking at me, knowing just, you know, mm -hmm. what, what you know about me, knowing what we've created. I mean, we go back to Dear Black Men, you know, my very yeah. first, like, it's crazy when I sit here and think about the history of this. In the, in the history of what we made and a lot of times making stuff that was, you know, completely polar opposite of what you were doing with other choreographers yes. here in LA. And ahead of its time too. That was our yeah. first project, the Dear Black Men one. It was, <laughs> right? it was kind of like a, um, a prequel to the short film in a way. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it's like a prequel to my damn life. It's, um, you know, I think it was Tony Bellissimo that said this to me some time ago. He, when you said, sometimes you're a little, not even a little, you are a generation ahead with what you create. And I would love, just like you said, being ahead of your time, I would love to hear these compliments, but mm. when I didn't see it manifested in my career, it was hard for me, and even till today, to believe it. Because if someone is so ahead of their time, if they are if they are in this realm of being as we consider a brilliant artist, then why is this not manifesting in my career? You know, I think about perfect example. So you think you could dance? You know, I auditioned as a choreographer seven times for that show, and I was saying this to Luther Brown randomly when I was coming back from American Black Film Festival, and he just gave me this look, and he was like, "Wait, what?" It's like it's one thing to be you know to persevere and to not take no for an answer. But he's like, Yusef, it's not the steps. What What's going on here? That's that's a lot. And I'm sure in those seven years, you've done some great work. Now, mind you, some of those pieces, you know, could have been a little bit better. But I'm definitely going to say that there was, I'd say, four out of those seven years. Those pieces were hitter, I think, so, especially in 2018, 2018 and 2019, when I was like, okay, I think I have presented this in a way to where Jeff Thacker will understand it. The producer will understand it, but it also is my voice, and it's it's a style of maybe contemporary dance that you don't normally have on the show. Um, and still, it was a no. So even when I get great compliments from people that say, you know, it was ahead of its time, or your generation ahead, oh, it's so unique, or I thought this was innovative, it, it wasn't manifesting or trickling down to it being in reality in my career. From my perspective, you are a brilliant choreographer. Thank you, man. From my perspective, you were passed up and you were more than talented enough. And from my perspective, 
and again, who am I? I'm I'm not yeah. in your shoes. Right. But from my perspective, I think your genius extends far beyond dance. And from the the perspective that I want to have about you, yeah. that I think is right, yeah. from my my view, is you being passed up all these times bother were meant to happen in a way to bother you so much. Mm. That now you just have to create even bigger projects that express yeah. that because you're not the only talented person to be passed up. Absolutely, you're not the only not. talented yeah. black genius to be passed up, right? Really and maybe thick, <laughs> had you have gotten those gigs that you wanted, which in the bigger scheme of things aren't the greatest things you can do. Right, right, even right. if you would have gotten a choreography job here and there, yeah. you might have had a few more dollars in your pocket. Yeah, but you're which the, we like, which we like. <laughs> We're not trying to downplay money, yeah. but but you're that's not the end of your line, Yusuf. Yeah. You're the kind of guy who, when you win an Oscar, like even though I'm a filmmaker, you're a choreographer, I I have a feeling you're gonna get nominated for an Oscar before I will, because <laughs> the story that you have to tell is more is more uh, it's more of an imperative in society. Yeah, and had you gotten those things that you not only wanted but deserved, you did deserve them, and you mm. didn't get them you wouldn't have as much of the umph to want to create things that emote that. Right. Or as some people like to say, the chip on my shoulder. What, yeah, I'm whatever like, it no, is. it's not the chip on my shoulder. It's your foot on my neck. That's what it is. And maybe the foot needed to be on your neck yeah. because you have the ability to express what it feels like to be gasping for air creatively and opportunity yeah. the opportunities. And that's a great way to say it. Gasping right? for air. Because gasping for air. at this point, because you know, it's funny. Almost every time we talk on the phone, yeah. you tell me some story about how somebody's wronged you. And as a friend, yeah. there has been times where I've kind of felt judgy about you to be like, is Yusuf just bringing this upon himself? Because why is it that every time we talk, you yeah. tell me that somebody screwed you over? Yeah. Every time somebody's doing something? Well, and, I hope and, not every single time. But, but 90, often, 90% yeah. of our I conversations. Think, yeah. but, but let me just say, and then I started to think, well, wait a minute. Maybe it's because like that old saying that God gives the, the, the hardest battles to, to the soldiers that can handle it. Yeah. Not just that you can handle it. Yeah. But because you are going to champion what that feels like through your art. And maybe you needed to feel even more pain so that when you make your feature films, they're going to hit on an emotional level so deep that mm. people are going to be like, fuck, he understands pain. Right. He really understands pain. And maybe your gift is going to be to help other people heal and never go through what you went through. Does that make any sense? It's, no, it's, no, almost, it's almost like somebody who like yeah, yeah. No, you know, make, who went sense. through an atrocity as a kid and then they spend their whole life fixing that. Yeah. Right? That's it's a, like there's people that you know have gone through a certain abuse that then creates healing centers to help people that have been abused. Right. And if and if they hadn't received their abuse, they literally wouldn't have healed. A bunch of other people that it's right. almost part of the plan because I can't think of anybody else that can not only express the pain but do so so stylishly as you like you mm. are such a brilliant artist that's why people fuck with you man that's why so many people want to help you 
right? Yeah. It doesn't matter if you don't have a huge budget, Yusuf. I saw that in you. Raphael saw it. Like yeah. even the colorists, right? We when you went to the colorists and they were like, oh my God, I have not seen something like this. I know, right? it's, it's, it's because the, you you got it, man. It feels like whenever I look at um, a footage of major artists before they were famous yeah. and you could just tell, it's like, oh, look at that. <laughs> That's him before his first album. You could tell oh. that there was greatness there, and yeah. and we see it in you, man. I just want to say as a friend, I want to give you your flowers, bro. Man, like yeah. you got it, and and not to don't let it get to you. It, fuck no, all that. I, fuck all that. You are brilliant. <laughs> you you are brilliant. It's because yeah. of, of your decision making when you're on set. The kind of moves that you do, the kind of moves that you don't do, the fact that the movie was black and white, the fact that yeah. you waited a while to show the dance scene, yeah, all of it, and this is just one which project. You, which you were team for right from the gate. It was, <laughs> no, because I remember we yes. were talking about these damn edits, and you were like, Yusef, why the hell are you showing all this dope-ass cinematography in this dance at the beginning of this film? Like, And again, it was people getting into my head, mm -hmm. trying to think me trying to appease too many people and not myself. And going yeah. back to what you said, you know, no one wants to be the person that always cries wolf, you know, even mm -hmm. though this is you being honest with me, I cower at that a little bit. Cause it's like, why do I want to always call my friend with something bad that's happened to me? Yes, we have to vent, but even me hearing it again, it's like, I don't even want that for myself. And it, because I genuinely do want things to go well, but what I'm not going to do is lie to myself mm -hmm. and pretend like something went well when, when it, didn't. it didn't. And it seems to be that nine, I won't say nine times out of 10, it's a significant amount to where I end up once the dust is settled, the road is cleared, and I can look at things 2020. I go, okay, that didn't really go all that well. I didn't feel very good. Why did my skin crawl? the entire time in that. And that even makes me reflect more because although yes, great art can come from pain, there's a threshold. I don't always wanna feel pain. You know, believe it or not, <laughs> there are times where I do genuinely want to feel good and feel happy. And there's moments that I do. I think right now I'm in a good space where I'm neutral, I'm even keel, but- um, And not to say that yeah. all your work is pain-based, Yeah, but- no, but there, I know there's what you no mean, denying though. that you've had a lot of battles. Right? Yeah. Everybody has battles, but yeah. when we talk, and again, we're friends and we can vent to each other. Yeah. Right? I'm just saying that. No, but I, you're right, though. After a while, it's like, why does there seem to be this extenuating circumstance, or as some, as as most people say in layman's terms, a cloud over my head? You know, I, I've heard that even before just being out and about. And it goes, I don't want people to think there's a cloud over my head. I don't want to think there's a cloud over my head. But like or or said, maybe it's because you're going to invent a really dope umbrella. I mean, maybe. You know? It's, um, it's, it's, it's pressure. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, it's uh, now looking at it. And again, you're right. You can be completely honest with it. Even I had to take stock for a minute and go, okay, if what I'm doing is not giving, is giving me more pain than pleasure, and it's not the kind of pain that I could turn into some, you know, dope piece piece of art. Because sometimes it's like, damn, that was really fucked up. But you know what? This is gonna make one hell of a piece. Um, one being this dance concert I did some years ago, the shout that was kind of an amalgamation of my observations and experiences that ended up being very um, cathartic and very therapeutic. Um, but no, I I am okay now with accepting that one accepting my past extenuating circumstances 
and accepting what may be my future extenuating circumstances, probably maybe more than normal bear, although I'm not trying to victimize myself. Um, because the one thing I will give myself, and if it's God given, it is the, the gift that I love the most from God is that I'm able to take my emotions and turn it into a piece of art that whether you like it or not will be compelling and people will feel it. I, I mm-hmm. That is something that I treasure more than anything, even more sometimes than my own appearance. You know, sometimes people say I look like a bum walking around LA and there's some truth to that. You know, sometimes the motherfucker don't feel like showering, but it's, um, whatever, you know, on the locks sometimes don't and you feel like a real celebrity. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. That part. It's uh <laughs> no, but you know, and I have to almost yeah. be like, kind of like dogmatic about it. It's where, you know, if we all have these gifts, then you're right. I am, I, I'm not going to, I accept the circumstances and experiences I've had, even the ones that I would never wish upon any human being whatsoever. Mm. Because I always turn around and say to myself, look what it gave me, just like the short film, but look what it gave me. Um, And the short film itself is even that. You had to go through a lot to make the short film happen, but the short film is a representation of the pain. Had oh, yeah. you been uh, picked for all the things you auditioned for, yeah. I don't think the motivation to make this film would exist. Oh, fuck no. You know, it was right. funny. That's I was what I'm saying. You know, the yeah, no. seed of the film is the rejection. Of course. And, you know, I can't sit up here and completely play what it's mean because, you know, for I, I have been able to enjoy some success and actually accomplish some of the things that I wanted to accomplish. And I did it. And I always prided myself on this. And I would even tell some of my past students, you know, I'm not the person that people just pick up the phone and call for a gig. You know, they would ask me, well, how did you get this artist? How did you dance? How did you get this film? How did, how, how Mm -hmm. do you get these gigs? And I'm like the old fashioned way I get up, I eat breakfast. I look at myself in the mirror do a couple of Jennifer Lewis affirmations. And then I go and stand in line and beat out three to 500 other people. And I always prided myself on that because I'm not good at kissing ass. I'm not the greatest at schmoozing. I'm not the greatest at networking. You know, I I definitely, as I get older, won't appease someone that doesn't sit well in my spirit to be around. Although you know, people say, oh, well, you don't want to burn bridges. It's like, well, maybe we don't need to be standing on the same damn bridge. Cause again, two negative magnets hitting each other. Um, you're not meant to get along with everybody. Yeah. You're not meant to. Yeah. No. And um, yeah, it's, I, I always love the fact that when people would ask me, well, how did you book this job? I'm like, I stood in line and I auditioned. Like, you know, the very first job I did when I was, 22, I did the Festival di San Remo in Italy, which is pretty much like the Italian Grammys. And I auditioned for it in New York when I was still living there doing theater and pretending to go to college. Hmm. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I came back home to visit my mom and she was like, how the hell did you get this job? I auditioned. How many boys did they pick? Two. Who, how many auditioned? 200. She was like, damn. She was like... <sighs> Like you, I could, the way she said, damn, like the breath that came out of her throat was like, I, I couldn't do that day in and day out. And my mom was a dancer in the seventies. And so, you know, things I think might've been, I mean, I would like to say that my experience in the arts is different than my mother's. Cause again, we're just coming off the heels of the civil rights movement and you still weren't seeing that many black people, you right. know, in entertainment, especially not dancing on any variety shows in the seventies. So, you know, I think, 
she definitely kind of got the hint that this is going to be very short lived. <laughs> um, but no, I, I've always prided myself on irregardless of perception, thoughts, not getting along with everyone. At least I could stand on my own two feet and go. I've always gone out and fought the hardest I could to be seen and validated and, and to work, um, and to work solely on my talent and my work ethic. That That's something that, you know, say what you want personality wise, but my talent and my work ethic are two things that, I, you know, those, those are the things that are going to get you through talent, work ethic. You can say personality, but um, you know, that's sometimes subjective <laughs> when we're talking about people's personalities, but you know, more so, yeah, talent and work ethic. That that those are things that no one can take away from you because those are things that you've cultivated, that you've yes. made a choice to to show up with every time you're in a room or opportunity where you have to employ those things. I love that. Uh, can I take a pee break real quick? No. All right. Let me pause this. I don't want to get a complex about yourself, and I don't think I do. I'm starting to think we should get a complex. I, there's a part of me that thinks. Well, because we've met people that were too far the other way, that had too yeah. much of a complex about themselves yeah. and not enough humility, that we we overcorrect to not be like those people. Right. But I'm starting to think that people like you and I, yeah, yeah whatever, yeah. we were rolling, yeah. People yeah. like you and I could probably use a little more ego in the mm. right way, self-belief, right yeah, right, of a mission, yeah. of a purpose. You know, yeah. there was this trick I learned to be better at public speaking. Yeah. That was, imagine that everybody you love is in the audience of a theater. Yeah. And you find out that there is like a bomb in the building that's going off in like three minutes. Right. You would have no fear to go on stage and say, stop the show. Everybody, get right. the fuck out. Yep. Right. Because your message would be so important. Yeah. It doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't yeah. matter if there's like ketchup stains on your shirt. Yeah. Your message is so important. They yeah. have to hear it. You will literally stop the show yep. on something like, I'm going to let you finish, yeah. but I must say this. Yeah. If we can have that kind of a frame about our art, not yeah. that everything we do is that important, but when it comes right. to creating, we have to be like, you know what? Well, this project, I'm committed to it. Because yep. there's times where I feel weird about promoting my podcast. Like, am I being too pushy about it? Am I posting about it too much? It's like, no, fuck that. It's what I'm here to share. <laughs> share it. You know? I literally felt this the other day. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but I, you know, ended up in the monthly roundup recap of Variety. And I wasn't even doing it. I was just, you know, hanging out at this mm -hmm. event. It was like, you know, celebrity roundup. And I went, celebrity roundup. I'm like, okay, Rihanna. You know, Daniel from, you know, Nope and, you know, Issa Rae. Yeah, that makes sense. And then there's just, you know, my ass, you know, five shots down. And I wasn't even going to repost it because, you know, my name wasn't in the heading of the article. And then I went, stop, Yousef. You just being you and based off what you have created before and who you are with, it's being respected. And you are now being brought into a new space where it is okay to share when you are acknowledged there is nothing wrong with that and i think it does fall to the imposter syndrome um but then also like you said before you know not being sometimes the worst example of what we see of people who take their ego and their confidence and their self their self-assuredness a little too far mm -hmm. um and i've seen that many times many times to you know, the point to where, you know, I have, you know, I almost jeopardized my career, you know, essentially standing up to people who I deem to be, you know, pretty much bullies, 
you know, Is that like um, on, the, on the Miley Cyrus. Story? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, as, as time goes on, you know, and they say all time heals wounds, but I don't necessarily know if that's true because depends on how you're healing. Yeah, depends <laughs> on how it depends on how you're healing. Yeah, and then also, I, there's nothing more personal than pursuing a passion. You can't get more personal. Like there is nothing more fucking personal in the world than pursuing a passion. Yeah. So when you finally maybe get to like a pinnacle or a mark, or let's say another midterm in the whole midterm of tests and experiences of life before we get to our final grade, which is death, which is something that the pastor brought up. I thought was an amazing um, analogy. Um, you know, it, it, it sucks when you get there and it's just not, it, it's not what you expected it to be. It it hurts. It, it really does hurt. And um, you mean because of the people there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it kind of goes back to you know. I never want to say you know everybody is bad. I don't like using that word. Um, but I will say this: not all people are the right people that you need to be around. And yes. something that I always remember in that, and I I don't know if I coined it or heard it, but I keep with me, keep with me all the time. Willpower is essential, but environment is paramount. Mm. And I think one of the lessons I learned most from Miley, and you know, I don't want to kind of get too down, far down that rabbit hole, um, because it, it will send me the opposite direction, is that it does not matter. And kind of sums up this whole conversation. It doesn't matter how much benefit of the doubt, positivity, hoping for the best, you know, blessings you can remember. There are certain environments that are not conspiring for you to be the best you, point blank, period. Yes. And there is no amount of willpower. There is no amount of positive affirmations that are going to change the fact that sometimes we end up in environments that fucking suck. And there is nothing that we can do to change it because you're just a pawn in it. You're, well, you're not a leader. Not to change the environment. Yeah. But what we can do is get to a different environment. Yes. Which is, you know. But, but which get hard because if that environment that you don't like is where you work, that gets a little testy. Well, it, like, well it does. Well, I mean, well, my my life experience as an immigrant is all yeah. about that. Right. We left continents because yeah. the environment sucked. Oh, yeah. And then moved from Brazil to Cleveland and then from yeah. Cleveland to Kentucky, from Kentucky to Chicago, from Chicago to New York, from New York to San Diego, back to Chicago, back to LA. Yeah, my on a world tour. Right? <laughs> so I think um, that's, Part of why a lot of immigrants tend to appreciate America more than people in America hmm. because we've been to places that were shittier. Yeah. And we've embraced the idea that if you don't like it, just dip out. Just dip and out. Yeah. it's very it is super scary. Like yeah. we came to a new country not even knowing the language, yeah. right? And it was like, oh fuck it, it's better than where we came better from. Better than where the hell you came from, right? And and, and 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 it doesn't mean that everybody can just up and move. I get yeah. it, but what other choice do we have? Yeah. Well, I think right. You know, in your situation, environment is paramount. Yeah, environment is paramount. But I mean, if we're talking about immigration, I mean, for you, the that you can compare the two and then you can contrast the two because if we're talking about immigration, clearly you were in an environment that that, that was not assisting or conspiring to. One, give your family what they knew they deserved. Mm -hmm. um, and so you went out to go seek a better life and a better way of living and more opportunity. But it's hard when those environments are the places that you work. And 
It's very it, hard. It's very because again, it, it's, it's your like sense by, of survival, right? Because by me leaving this, I am now once again jeopardizing my income and jeopardizing, you know, some sense the little security that I have taken this long to fight for. Um, but I know now that sometimes, <laughs> not to say that I would ever quit. Sometimes it's okay to quit and walk away. Actually, this is yes. why people say this is why people resign. <laughs> you know what? W- winners do quit. <laughs> winners quit doing the things that they shouldn't be doing. Shouldn't be fucking doing. They'll say, oh, oh, winners don't quit. Yes, they do. They'll yes, stop they something do. quick. You, you know yeah. what's a, a big loser thing to do is to keep doing something that sucks just because you've been doing it. Yep. it it's like staying in an abusive relationship because you've already put too much time into it. Oof. Well, fuck that. Fuck it. Fuck it. Right. Sometimes we get so used to a painful environment that it becomes home. It's like Stockholm syndrome when people get kidnapped and fall in love with their kidnapper. And that when they get rescued and come back home, they feel sad. Right. Because your body wants to adapt so much that it says, I guess I'll embrace the chaos. Yeah. I I, I guess chaos is my home. And then we're afraid to leave it because it's more uncertain to seek peace. Yep. Because we're so used to the chaos. We're so used to the chaos. And that, once again, lesson number 2,542 of <laughs> use in this short room and just adding it up is um, I value my peace more than anything else now. I mean, I am now, you know, well into my 30s um, and, you know, looking at the perspective of, you know, 40 in the next couple of years, you know, one, I hope I don't look it, but uh, it's... I am no good to me and I am no good to anyone else. Um, and this includes you, anyone that I bring into whatever I'm going to make next, if I'm not whole with myself. Yes. And so what I cannot allow is for someone to take over my peace and create a chaotic environment that they expect people to thrive in or to work in. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And how are you going to win if you ain't right within? Yeah, Come on. You just lost one. Did <laughs> you really gain some? Kind of hit it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just so that, if, that, that was the beginning of it. Um, is I go back to it all the time. Like it's I need to put it on a shirt that again we all need willpower. We we all need that that the you know the the coach our inner coach to keep us moving to the next level. But, you know, being in entertainment and being in Los Angeles, and I think, again, universal to those that want to speak about it, the environment sometimes that I'm unknowingly and unwittingly have been put into that have been work-based, it really becomes something contentious to deal with because, as we're saying, then what am I saying? I'm going to jeopardize my security because I can't get along with people. And my answer is, hell yes, I am going to jeopardize my security because what is the point of loathing going to work? What is the point of not enjoying the thing that takes up so much of our time, even if I was working a nine to five, but the difference is I'm pursuing my craft and I'm doing that craft in environments with other people that it should be fun because we're, we're doing what we love to do. This It should be the least chaotic. And, and not to say that, you know, chaos doesn't kind of come with the job. I mean, listen, it's entertainment. I, you know, I think about, yeah. you know, shows I've done where literally 
You know, I've had to, you know, change whole dance numbers. Either I was dancing or choreographing like 10 minutes before right. the camera called action. Let's be, you know, chaos, right. chaos and Hollywood kind of go hand in hand, but there's a certain level of chaos that can be mitigated. So, you know, that doesn't make it just so impossible yeah. to work in. And the first time, you know, I walked away from a job where the power to was around 2018, you know, I, I took a sabbatical of sort. And I was worried about money. I was worried about if I was going to have anything coming through. And I said, I have enough to hold me over until I don't have enough to hold me over. I need to walk away or this is going to get bad. And I knew and I was glad that I now knew what my triggers and my boundaries were mm -hmm. when I was getting to my point of fed up. Yes. Um, cause it, it can get, well, I mean, we've had friends that have been in situations where yep. they couldn't take it and literally took their life. Yes. So, you know, um, that I've had friends that happened to friends of mine throughout my entire life. I've seen it mm. right to where as painful as it may be to put your, your rent money into question, right. Yep. Or to have to lose all your friends Yep. sometimes, well, what's the other choice? Yeah. <laughs> right. It, it, it's, we have to pick which pain is necessary yep. right now. And I think what what's great about your story is that you chose to take care of yourself instead of fully sacrificing yourself because now then you wouldn't be able to give because it had you stayed in a in a job just because it paid you more consistently. Yeah. But you would have hated yourself or hated a situation and yeah. that could have fucked up your mental health to a place where you wouldn't be able to give at this level. Yeah. Even though some of the pain is a gift in a way. Yeah. But too much of it can also fuck you up. It's like yeah. it, you have to know how yeah. much of it to 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 allow. And like you said, yeah. chaos, like it's inevitable, like variety and, and, and unforeseen circumstances are always going to happen, right? Yeah. The future is opportunity and challenges. Yeah. It's a mixture of that. We know this. Some now. mixture and, of and that, I, right? I think, yeah, we, we, I have. For, I was going to say just on the, on the topic of chaos, I dealt with a lot of personal chaos, business too, but in my self, probably the first seven, eight years of me being in LA, mm -hmm. I had a lot of chaotic relationships where uh, in my intimate relationships, mm. they um, there was just a lot of arguing in a way that I would have a deadline. I would come home and I would be dealing with emotional issues mm -hmm. and then I would be exhausted. Then I would forget to finish an edit. Then mm -hmm. the edit would be late. Then mm -hmm. I have to apologize. Oh, sorry, it's late. Mm -hmm. But then I feel like, well, fuck, I actually probably would have done a great job had I not been arguing and with I'd my girl the whole time. And, yep. and, and it was just so much of dealing with chaos. Mm -hmm. So there's a fine line between when is God giving me pain as a gift for me to become better? And when am I just putting myself in a shitty situation mm -hmm. that I need to get out of? Yep. And to have to learn that discernment Yep. of which pain is necessary and which is just yep. taking you away from your goal. Yep. We it's up to you to decide. Yep. Right? Like Absolutely. the pain of making the short film was necessary because you yeah. had a vision and, yep. and you had to learn it's better you learn to deal with boundaries in a short film before you do the multi-million dollar feature film. <laughs> and you know what's funny after uh that's kind of like the one the overall like arching like theme of this is that at least I learned all this shit now on a 13 minute short film. Because God forbid I spend the next, you know, God willing, two to three years of my life, you know, n having unnecessary chaos around art. I can't, yeah. I've spent too much time always having to, you know, 
take loans out on my stress and my mental Ooh. well-being. Like I've taken out so many loans and the interest rates are so high and I've defaulted on the payments so much <laughs> that, okay, why, why am I doing this? There's no reason for me to have this much stress, anxiety, and dread when I'm the one creating, especially with my short film, I'm this is my film. <laughs> like, wait, this is my film. Literally. And and what is with this stress, anxiety, and dread that I cannot shake? And then when you start to kind of understand the root of it, roots of it, you know, you make the changes. But um, yeah, too many loans out on that. Um and although it's always good to get the benefit of the doubt, our body talks to us. You know, our body, our guts tell us, you know, when we get that feeling or people say that person makes my skin crawl, although that's a very harsh statement to make, it is true. And I say that not to say that other people probably look at me and they could probably feel the same way. Like there's something about me that they don't like. I probably make somebody else's skin crawl great. But when it comes to my house and my art, yeah, it matters. It does. It, it, it matters. It, it's... um. You know, uh, Franz uh, Lipowitz, Lipowitz, Franz Lipowitz, I think it's her last name. I think I said it right. You know, she had this um, interview where she said, you know, all these employers and these corporations are borrowing from poets to motivate their employees to, you know, do better work. And she's like, I don't give a damn how you address me. Pay me. If you love me, if you like my work, if you like my output, pay me. I don't give a damn because I am here to provide a service. I'm an employee and I'm moving on. I have no ownership to this. And that kind of comes back to our entire conversation that I think moving forward, and, and many artists have said this, I think the only way up is to own our work. And, and that doesn't always necessarily mean the fine print on a piece of paper. Own our work, meaning I'm going to fully own what it is that is being put into my brain to express, even if nobody doesn't understand it. Because even with the stuff that you've seen in the past, that you deemed ahead of its time. I wanted to go further, but I got scared. Um, and we all know being an artist, you know, fear is something that we should have, but it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be the thing that suppresses our expression. Yeah. So for the up and coming young black artist, Wait, who's black? <laughs> However you say it. For the up-and-coming artist who can relate to you. Yeah. Who wants to put their vision out there. Yeah. But is getting ready to deal with all kinds of resistance that is inevitable in the artistic path. What message? Obviously, this whole conversation has been a message to them. Yeah. But if you could speak directly to the heart of some specific individual that needs to hear your message right now. What guidance would you say as a wiser, older brother in the path? To any black or African-American, depending on how they want to identify themselves, anyone that has the gift to create and bring it from the tan intangible to the tangible, Hmm. Let me think on this for a second.
What do I want to say to them? To any black or African-American male or even female artists, it's okay to fully admit and fully walk into the fact that we are different. And by different, we are special. And I think sometimes we're afraid to admit that. I think sometimes even when we get older to, and I use these words a lot, appease and acquiesce people, we don't want to acknowledge it, but we know it. I'm not saying that all artists pale in comparison to black and African-American creation, but as far as I'm concerned, not just the present, but looking at the past, we are different and that different, we are special, we are unique, and that voice can never be stifled. And if you don't believe that, open up a book and look at your history because it will tell you just how awesome we are. And, I, and I'm going to specifically say that to my people because, you know, again, we get into these, you know, philosophical, political, racial conversations where if it's okay for black people to have pride, you know, white people can have pride. I'm like, it's not the damn pride I'm talking about. You know, we're, we're talking about the things that have been put into the universe that have improved people's lives, that have given value to people's lives, that have shaped their lives, that have shaped culture, when we talk about art and artistic expression that is impactful, we are so special and so unique and let no one, no one stifle that. And I can say that to any artist, black, white, blue, Indian, pink. Yes. What I'm saying can apply to anyone, but one, I'm glad you asked me specifically what I would say to someone younger that looks like me. And on top of that, who may look like me and who also may be queer. We are so goddamn unique and we are so powerful. And I know when I was younger, I spent a long time almost believing that I wasn't because I don't fit the common denominator status quo. I, I, you know, I'm not cisgendered, heterosexual, you know, white male or woman. Um, they have to hear that 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 has to be that has to be what I want to leave them with. Whomever is listening. And, and again, like I said, you can apply it to anyone, but if I'm speaking not only to someone who is black, African American, I'm saying it to a younger generation, but I'm also saying it to my younger self that needed to hear it more often. That's beautiful. I feel like every time we talk, we could be talking for hours, but I think that's a that's a, a great place to to leave this one. Oh yeah, I'm so oh, yeah. proud of you, bro. Yeah, oh, good. You want to you want to make me cry, don't you? you I do. do. You I do. do. I'm, lo- I'm looking for those Oprah clips. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, for real, Yusuf. I, I I love you. I love your soul. You're you're a beautiful human being. I'm glad you exist. I'm glad you create. I'm glad you take the effort to actualize what you want to create because you make some great stuff. And honestly, I feel like you're just getting started. I think I too. <laughs> that the stories you're going to tell through the different mediums are going to impact so many people. It's way further than dance. And you're a brilliant choreographer and, and dancer. Yeah. You're brilliant. Thank you. But there's so much more you're going to do. I can feel it. I see it. And, and I'll support it however I can. Um, thank you. Thank you for coming here and sharing your story and, and being vulnerable, man. It means a lot. Oh man. I, just, I you know, you, you say it means a lot, but it means a lot 
to me that you have been one of the few people that you listen and you heard me. Mm. That, that brings it even before this camera even turned on. Because I'll be honest, I get asked to do things like this fairly often. And I always say no. Mm. Because, one, I think there's enough talking heads out there. Two, you know, it's the whole imposter syndrome. Who am I? I don't want to seem like some you know, overzealous, overbearing narc that, you know, <laughs> that everybody feels entitled to what I fucking think about art, you know. But, you know, I look at the people that you've had on this podcast and I've listened to a good number of it. And before I walked in here, I went, what the hell am I going to say that's going to be so vastly different than anything else that somebody else has instead, hasn't said? Um, you know, the rags to riches story, the, you know, new school, you know, psychology that we all like to, you know, trade right. back and forth, the unsolicited um, <laughs> therapy that we like to give one another sometimes. But yeah. um, you shared a beautiful message yeah. and you're going to continue to. And uh, I'm very grateful for our friendship. We always have Same. very great phone calls. Same. They're never boring. Same. I'll tell you that much. Never bo <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, never boring. This uh, is the, the, the <laughs> wonderful, the beautiful Yusuf Nasir. Oh, Check out his film. Stop it! You're Regret gonna to inform you. <laughs> and uh, you, and, and one and one day when he wins an Oscar, you know, one day, one day, it, maybe even two days, two days when he wins an Oscar. Two days. We, 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 you know what's funny? I um I don't know if you've been using this, but since we're here, and I'm definitely gonna raid your refrigerator when we're done. But um. <laughs> More than an Oscar, I really want to win um, the MacArthur Award or the MacArthur Fellowship. Um, I don't know what that is. So basically, the MacArthur Award is an award that is given. It's kind of tied to the government, but not really. It's like a council of artists, different curators that come together, and they nominate 10 people that have shown excellence in their craft of work over a certain amount of years. And mm. what they do is they issue, it's like a prize amount of five to $600,000 for the additional exploration of work, or they can use that money however however way they like. They can buy a house, buy a car, retire, switch careers. But basically, MacArthur Fellowship is the highest award that can be given to any artist in the world because it's basically what is considered the Genius Award. Um, so even more than an Oscar or Emmy or a Tony, I, I don't know, I've always just had like the MacArthur fellowship is like the or the or MacArthur fellow or the MacArthur award it's interchangeable has been one of my goals it's like why does this panel of people only giving out half a million dollars why does it matter that they decided that I was genius a genius and I think it matters because one you don't know who they are and two they're not looking for people that are necessarily popular or famous right. or making work that is for some kind of large consumption. They're not banking on a telecast. They're not yeah. banking on that. They're like, we've been <clears throat> seeing you. We have watched you. We respect you. And you have been given the MacArthur. Like that to me would probably have me bussing down in tears because I don't, I don't know why in some way that I can say, damn it. I told you I was a genius. It's uh, I don't know. It's for some reasons what it's like the, it's like the quiet, intellectual, like academic fuck you for some reason. Yes. Well, <laughs> so, it's not shallow to value validation from people we respect. Yeah. 
it doesn't mean we're incomplete without it. Yeah. But it would be disingenuous to say, I don't care about any validation. Right. No, when the right people give me props, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. it, it, it matters. Right. Because you know that they really care and they're coming from a good place. You yeah. know, so, man, the, Macar- the MacArthur Awards? Yeah, MacArthur. Well, MacArthur uh, so, so that's your, that, MacArthur that's your mucho? Uh, yeah, it's... Um, you know what that means? With the mucho? It just means a lot. Well, yeah, I know mucho means a lot. <laughs> I know it means a lot to you. That's but, your mucho. That's my... Because <laughs> it means up. a lot. <laughs> um, it's... <sighs> man, I... Yeah, I, I think that this this was meant for us to do now. I, I was kind of hoping we would have this around the time, you know, before the Oscar nominations went out because, you know, one, it, the film was kind of still in that... We no, but but then we it. would have been banking off of the possibility of some outside validation. This is a real conversation. Yeah, it's a real conversation. And you said something really interesting that I forgot about, that when we were working on the film, this yeah. podcast didn't even exist. It did not exist. It was just an idea. I was saying, yo, I'm going to do a podcast. And look at the power of manifestation. Look That's that. what I'll tell you about Brazil. When he wants to do something, he will do it. I don't know why I keep looking at this camera. But um, <laughs> no, the, the fact that we were in this apartment in this very room in this very room me would probably my ass crack stuck out because for some reason (laughs) my sweatpants never like to stay on top of my ass um you know we'll get you a shoestring belt uh, uh, sponsor well you know something listen i need uh, i need a sponsor right now you know the one thing is you know even with all the press and you know the current success of the short you know, I you know my bank account hasn't exponentially changed. I haven't right. been given a, a ton of deals. You know, I took the train here today. I didn't have to. I could have drove or Ubered, but for some reason, I wanted to wake up early and take public transportation because I always like to feel a sense of reality in my day wherever I go. I, I don't want to get to a place where I get so removed from the things that spark the most creativity in me. Um, to where what I start creating, it doesn't feel, the word isn't authentic, but, and, and, and you could say real, but. You don't want to be too detached from, from humanity. Yeah. And sometimes when you're in, when you're writing too many Uber blacks. Yeah. (laughs) And I love a good Uber black. Right. (laughs) Right. There's a time and place for it where you want to feel, you know what? Yeah. Let's take the Escalade to the airport, you know, but other times it just feels better to just put your foot on the ground for real. And for some reason, I don't know why people are so, I can't say people, but persons that I came across during this film process that I cannot believe it is June of 2023. I started that process in January of 2021. Wow. And there has been nothing motivating me to keep going except for myself. Because you're anointed, brother. I'm telling you, you're here for a reason. You are meant to create, to continue to create. Mm. God has a mission for you to do that. And it's going to conspire to have things just align. It's yeah. just, at this point, it's evident. I had to have that same conversation with myself recently. Yeah. Um, because of all these different, even like the guests that come on the podcast, right? Because in my mind, whenever I make something happen, I feel like it doesn't count. Because I'm like, yeah, but I just made it happen. But yeah. How is that any different? Right. So it's like we want it to be this lottery feeling when somebody bestows it upon you. Like, aha, yeah. you are now our winner. No. 
you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's success is a, it's not like a hole in one in golf. It's like, you know, when the ball's right next to the hole and they just tap it in. Yeah. It's a lot more like that. You're just getting the ball closer and closer and closer. And when you make yeah. it, it's just a little tap in, but we're like, oh, it doesn't count. Cause it didn't make it off that first shot from way back there. Right. No, you got yourself here. And yeah. I would feel, it might feel like, oh, that's just because I have a relationship with this person. So it took talent to build that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, like, and like for you're me, here for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I um, even, you know, when I hear you speak and you give me such great compliments, it's, it's almost like I think you can look me in my eyes and you can tell that sometimes I don't fully believe it. And so you have to remind me of it. What was that metaphor from back in the day? Which one? Uh, you were a Mercedes. He used to, you used to say that. I say he like people. I don't know who's listening, but Yusef, you're like a Mercedes with a fucked up motor. It's like I'm looking at this slick ass Mercedes, clean, blacked out, and then I pop open the hood and I'm like, what the fuck is going on in here? You don't know. You don't realize you're a Mercedes. Like yeah. what? What's going on? And again, it goes back to this imposter syndrome. And then also, as morbid as this sounds, sometimes I would not allow myself to honor myself, honor what I'm doing, honor the compliments and the validation and not just the validation, but the validation isn't the word, but, but your work being put out there and it is merited. Like people have given it merit, like validation, one thing, no people have given this merit. Like this is a significant piece of work. No, that's a significant piece of work. Even when I talked about So You Think You Can Dance earlier, you know, even though I never got on the show, I specifically remember years where Jeff Thacker would go, I think that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen, Yusef, hands down, and would talk to my dancers for almost half an hour and go, what the hell was that about? Now, even though I didn't get on the show, you know, it, it's it's things like that where, yes, I know that people are seeing it, and I know that they are giving it this call of being brilliant, but again, when it comes from you and the way you say it to me, I know that it is heartfelt and it, it just, it, me, it means a lot because there are times when Mucho. I, I question, I, there's, there's times where I don't know if I could have kept going if somebody, anyone, someone like yourself didn't go, but you are good at this and you are brilliant. Do not let the other side of this the things that are distracting you from creation get in your way and whatever might be getting in your way, whatever pain that is, utilize it. Um, no, we're probably talking in circles. No, right now, no, but. this is, this is great. It's always after we think the podcast is over that some of the best stuff comes out. <laughs> um, I mean, it's yeah. I, listen, bro, you, you're a gift. I'm glad you exist. I'm happy that you uh, allowed me to help you. A little bit on this project. A I, little bit. Okay. What we're not going to do is a little bit. I mean, Brazil, you really, like, it is. I mean, it was your vision. I I, I just did what I could with yeah, the post man, and, the, people, and the shoot day. But. Yeah, but people don't do what you do. And don't get me wrong. Other people showed up and they did contribute and they did help. But in the manner that you did and in the manner that we work with each other, there was no chaos to it. There was ease to it. It, it was, it, it, I felt supported, not ripped apart and tried to be pulled a direction that I don't want to go. Um, that is important. And that's not to say that you shouldn't take advice from people. Yes. Especially if you ask for feedback, but you know, eventually 
people have to let stuff go. But with you, you just, you didn't bring me any chaos. Because again, I'm dealing with 70 plus people. Bro, I saw the vision, man. Like you were already doing it. I just- Yeah, editing on my I fucking iPhone. Up. People still can't. I still, I, I said this recently at yeah. this film festival and they went, you are full of shit. I'm like, no, I screenshotted all of them. Brazil attest to this. And you saw it and went, first off, why the hell are you working that hard? And I went, well, who else is going to do it? And again, when you love something without there being some exterior validation or outcome initially when you're creating it, you just get it done. That's the fuck I had to do. You know, I'm slow as hell on Premiere. I'm moving on my phone works. <laughs> well, the film was meant to be actualized. Yeah. And now it's on to the next. So we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Everybody, once again... Yusuf Nasir. If, if I don't know when this episode comes out, but go check out at least the trailer for the film. If it's available online, go check it out. Go follow him. Go support him, because this is a—it's <laughs> just the beginning. There's so much greatness to be made here, and I'm glad that that we have all this on tape. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Love you, man. Love you too. This is great. Anytime. <laughs>